are the voice of trucking. Welcome to Key Up New York, the official podcast of the Trucking Association of New York. Uh, really excited today to be joined by uh, Jeff Wilkie and Brian Wilkie, not related, uh, which, with National Grid, talking about some really, really cool stuff here today, uh, specifically the infrastructure that's going to be necessary um, to accelerate the use of medium and heavy duty electric trucks. Um, coming to New York. But before we do that, we like to do some quick icebreakers here uh, on Key Up New York so that the audience uh, has a little familiarity with our guests. So the question I want to propose to you and uh, Brian, you start, uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Uh, I would say invisibility. <laughs> I always want to uh, sort of uh, eavesdrop on people's conversations, find out really what's going on behind the scenes. So that would be mine. You give so many presentations. That's surprising. You're like one of the most <laughs> visible people I know. That's so that's that's fascinating that you would choose invisibility. I want to be in the room with all the truck fleets <laughs> who are making their decisions about next steps uh, in our service territory. That honestly might be the best way to conduct some of these focus groups. <laughs> what about you, Jeff? I'm glad you went first. Uh, I have no idea. I think the idea of having a superpower is terrifying. Like the idea of flying, like is just. It doesn't guarantee that you can land, right? <laughs> like, so I think I'm 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 happy to be Alfred. I'll be back, like making hot cocoa for everyone after after they've solved some crimes. Your your superpower is the guy who takes care of superheroes. Yeah, great. exactly. I'll I'll do that as long as I'm not in the line of fire. I think we're good. <laughs> I like that. All right, cool. So let's get into this. National Grid has really taken a leadership position um, from the utility side in terms of what is going to be needed to get all vehicles, but really we're talking here about medium and heavy duty electric vehicles on the road to meet New York State's rather ambitious um, climate goals of 2040. You know, we have the CLCPA, we have the advanced clean trucks. Um, so th there are some serious regulations in the state of New York, um, some very serious targets here. And National Grid, as part of your leadership, you released a study a couple of weeks ago uh, with Hitachi about the sort of infrastructure and planning that's going to be needed uh, to build out the charging capabilities for these these larger trucks. Yeah, that's right. So we've been working with Hitachi Energy on fleet electrification for a few years now. Um, and earlier in September, we released a, a study on grid readiness for fleet electrification. And it's a pretty detailed study. But really what it does is it tells the story of one, a distribution power line in our service territory and what's going to happen to that that power line is over 400 trucks that it um that are housed nearby it electrify over the next 10 20 30 years and right now it doesn't serve that much electric demand um, it's mostly just lighting a few warehouses but trucks as everyone here probably knows uh, when they electrify they require a lot of power to fuel their batteries um, and so you could actually see the the demand on that line go up by 10 or 12 times um, as those trucks electrify, which puts some strain on our, our grid infrastructure. Luckily, though, what the study also identifies is some cost-effective and we think relatively smart strategies to ready our infrastructure, uh, make uh, use of capacity we already have in that area to actually enable those, those trucks and those fleet operators to make the choice to clean up their operations over time. What about the, because uh, I was reading through the study, and this fascinated me, that um, and I want to make sure I get it right, um, where it's like current capacity for trucks on the road, like if, if 
the trucks converted, current capacity would only be able to charge, what, like 33% of the trucks in national grid territory? Yeah, on this specific line, that's right. And that's actually a pretty good story. There just happen to be so many trucks in that area. <laughs> so there's actually about what we'd say five to eight megawatts of capacity. That's, that's a utility term, but that's a ton of power. Um, and so that's great. We can actually accommodate a lot of electric fleets in this area. It's just there are so many right there. But what we also found is that there are neighboring power lines or neighboring substations. That's another element of electric infrastructure that we could actually tap in that area. So this is a really great area to electrify fleets. The challenge for us, though, is not every area is so lucky. Yeah, I think that the key piece for us when we looked across all of our electric feeders in New York and looked at what kind of charging they could accommodate, it's about 50% of our feeders can only accommodate one or two megawatts of additional load. So this is a very unique place that we happen to study here, both in the number of trucks and the amount of headroom. The rest of our service territory, uh, it's far more limited in terms of existing capacity or existing new electric demand that they can accommodate. And that really leads us to this idea that we, we, we talked a little bit about in a highway electrification study we released about a year ago, where we can't build fast enough to accommodate the fleets that we see in a lot of our service territory. So we need to start doing what we call anticipatory investment or proactive planning in places where we know those fleets cluster, where we know those electric loads are going to show up um, in order to make sure the infrastructure is there when the trucks um, start to appear and prepare to charge. And that's really how we beat the chicken and egg scenario, right? Where the the groundwork, and that may be a pun, I don't know, but but the groundwork is laid, you know, at before the before most of the fleets are ready to really transition and then as they go through that transition they can see you know through the highway access through some of the depots that we'll talk about that the capabilities really are there for their needs yeah that's exactly right i think uh there's a there's a problem today that people don't see the infrastructure and so they're worried that, that it's not it's not there i think We've already started in some parts of our service territory to prepare some of those places, but we have a lot more work to do to get those places prepared and do sort of a sort of comprehensive, planful build out of the infrastructure to accommodate the trucks as they electrify over time. And, and I think, think oh, go, oh, ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say, when you take the two studies that we've done over the last year, one on highways and one in kind of fleet depots and garages, I think they could build a really complementary view. Because highways are what we think of as first line of sight, last line of defense. Like if you're if you're driving your your passenger vehicle right now, and you ask someone if if they're going to get an EV, a lot of times they're just thinking about, have I ever seen an EV charger? And so those highway stops are what you're thinking about. But they're also, you know, we we have crews and uh, we have vehicles as well. And storm conditions, those are really important sites. You really need to have access to them, and they're also really important for interstate traffic, which is something that people don't always think about. They often think about the garage, they think about the depot, but they don't think about the fact that a lot of drivers go hundreds of miles. That's exactly it. And, and I think that what's really interesting is when we talk about challenges to electrification, we talk a lot about sort of, let's call them ground type challenges, the cost of the vehicle, infrastructure, you know, workforce development, et cetera, et cetera. But what we don't talk a lot about of is sort of I'm not sure what the right word would be, maybe intrinsic, so something like how the fleets feel and, and what they see. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head with one of them, which is like, we don't talk enough about the challenge of just like what the fleets don't know and how to see beyond sort of what's there right now. I, I guess I'd call it the 
Back to the Future 3 problem where, you know, Doc was able to see these tracks are going to be completed by 1985, but in 1865 or whatever year it was, they weren't. And I think that's something that we need to do a better job of saying, we understand where you are today, but you 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 can't look at it necessarily as a today problem or a today issue. Trust that it's going to be solved in 10, 15 years. Yeah, and that's that's asking a lot for people who are mm -hmm. just you know dealing on short term contracts and have very near term concerns in front of them. I think we do have some, and most utilities have some um, some ways to address some of those concerns through fleet advisory services, which we and other utilities offer folks to say, let's look at your fleet, let's look at your your use cases for these trucks, and let's think through together a strategy to start beginning to electrify bits and pieces of that to make the most sense today, and then sort of phase that in over time. But yeah, I think it's it's hard to get people to look forward and see what the future actually looks like as they stand in those shoes today. Yeah, maybe building on your back to the future timeline, if you've gone back to, you know, 1905, 1906, which is when a lot of our uh, the, the first power lines in New York were being put up because New York was really the birthplace of the modern electric grid. Some of those power lines we have photos are put up with horse and buggy, you know, <laughs> and if you told those people right then, you know, first, all your horses are going to be replaced with cars in like the next 20 years. And then two, these power lines you put up are going to power the most dynamic economy the world's ever seen over the next 40 to 50 years. I don't think anyone could have seen that far ahead. But thankfully, we had the foresight to build that infrastructure then. And now we're kind of situated with a, a similar decision as we go forward. I, I completely agree. And I think some of the recommendations that came from the report were even things like better communication between all stakeholders and really listening to fleet's pain points and connecting them with regulators um, and connecting them with, of course, utilities and, and, and other partners and saying, let's let's really talk about this, not just like talk and put points on a white paper and regroup in a quarter or a year, but like really tangible action items over the next 15 years. Yeah, there's been a complete dearth of communication between the trucking industry and the electric utility industry. Uh, we just didn't talk to each other. We didn't even understand each other's business. I think I like to think I've learned enough to be dangerous over the last year or two, thanks to you, Zach. And Kendra. <laughs> but uh, I think it's one of the things that really the the new MHDB proceeding at the Public Service Commission is really seeking to address is those two sectors to communicate effectively together, give utilities some more visibility into what's happening um, in the fleet's plans for the future, finding those places that as we found in the Tachi study that are great places to electrify, and then also identifying places that are gonna be harder to identify and they're gonna take some more initial upfront work um, in order to do so. Right, and then there's also the challenge of, um, we wanna make sure we're sort of electrifying or building out in some of these uh, environmental justice communities first, but given where the trucks are coming from, what's the feasibility there? And, and, and I think working through these issues is is a great opportunity to get everybody on the same page to get timelines kind of straightened out and to make sure that the infrastructure investments which are pretty significant you know I, I encourage everyone to read the report um are done in a in an efficient way and and in a way that we're not you know paying for the same thing twice or three times which i know is a concern for the utilities yeah that's something that we think about a lot i think the other thing that we always try to remind people who work outside of the utility industry is how long it can take to build some of this infrastructure. Mm -hmm. This isn't something that, you know, when you call us up on a, a Tuesday and say you're buying some electric trucks that can be be done by the end of the month, we're talking in some cases, 
years and years in order to put in the the right infrastructure to accommodate the long-term future-proof sort of uh, electric demand that we see coming from those fleets. So I think it's, you know, we need to start earlier than when the trucks are even being contemplated being purchased, right? So it's way ahead of when the fleets are actually going to have those trucks showing up. And that's that's an important piece. Like we're, we're going to start building for 2030 this year. Uh, and next year, right? So that's that's seven years away, but that's how long it can take at times to get some of the electric infrastructure in place. It's about seventy months, right? And uh, which which is not much in utility time. And that's actually probably where you know transportation industry and you know utility industry actually have a lot of commonality. Is one, I think we both understand how long it takes to build infrastructure and how you know thoughtful you have to be, particularly when you're talking about the the level of infrastructure we're trying to develop. And then two we're, is both are networks. Right. What you do on a highway, what you do in kind of an urban hub is going to impact each other. It's the same with our electric networks on our distribution system and our transmission system. And so I think that's actually an opportunity for us is to take advantage of that and not solve just from the marginal. What do you need to do, but actually put something together that's a little bit more comprehensive and allows us to what you were saying, Zach, is make some investments in one place. And maybe that means we don't have to make them in other places at the same time. And maybe that's how, how we can stage this out and actually enable it and get ahead of it. I agree, and I think that's a good place to pivot to talk about what about the role of the state that at, that it, they're the ones that set these. Yes, a lot of fleets have internal goals uh, when it comes to carbon footprint. Uh, a lot have internal goals about um, you know being carbon neutral at a certain point, but you know CLCPA ACT that was set by the state. That wasn't set by private industry. Mm -hmm. So you know it what exactly is the responsibility and what should the state be doing um, both in terms of funding and planning to make sure that these targets are attainable for the for industry yeah i think that's a great question there's probably two topics i'd hit there and i think both kind of hit a theme of how do we make it you know one possible two easy and then three potentially like really beneficial for fleets to electrify um, and the first one is uh, i think there is uh, as you're aware, Zach, there was legislation introduced uh, earlier this year in New York that passed the, the Assembly and the Senate to actually kind of build out a roadmap for electric vehicle charging. How much electric vehicle charging are we going to need on highways or in you know commercial districts or along freight corridors um, and actually start to consider what it takes on the utility planning side. Um, and then the, the second one, uh, is this medium and heavy duty vehicle proceeding uh, that Brian was mentioning. I'll, I'll let him talk a little bit more about at the Public Service Commission, which for those of you who are maybe not as versed in utility lingo, that, that is the regulator for your, your friendly neighborhood electric or gas utility in New York State. And so it's a really important place because the PSC has been asked to do a lot uh, in New York State, um, and there's a ton of work ongoing there. So I'll let Brian talk a little bit more about that proceeding. Yeah, I think what you're going to see in that proceeding, well, first, we just want to applaud, frankly, the Public Service Commission for initiating the proceeding. Really, Zach, getting to your concern, like if the state is going to do this, then how, then what is the how? Where where do we get to the how? We know what the what is now. How do we get to the how? Um, so we applaud them for doing that. I think there's really two aspects that you're going to see in that proceeding. One, addressing market barriers to adoption for the fleets themselves, whether it's support on the customer or immediate um, utility side of the meter to build that infrastructure, and then two more of like that taking a step back and saying from our system level for each of the utilities, how will they address this across their entire service territory? What kind of advanced load forecasting techniques and methodologies and databases they need to leverage? Because traditional electric load forecasting utilities really have not been 
geared towards transportation or accommodating electrified transportation. So bringing to bear new data sets, new ways of identifying those loads, and then picking those places where anyone could look at the, at the map and look at what's happening in an area and say, yes, you need to build here now. You can't wait until 2027. You can't wait until 2035. You need to start immediately. And so that's that sort of proactive infrastructure development is the second component of what the, we think the proceeding will probably look like. And it'll be an exciting fall. I think we're going to have a couple of technical conferences, um, people think, um, coming out in the next couple of months. And there'll be this opportunity for all stakeholders to bring their voice, particularly the trucking community, which we think is a critical stakeholder here, to those technical conferences um, to make sure the commission's hearing from, from you all as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, to that point, please, fleets listening to this, please reach out to me because, as Brian mentioned, I will be at some of them. I will be speaking at, at some of these. And it's really important that I speak with your voice and and I speak, you know, as your representative, not just, you know, my opinion or, or what I've been hearing. And And that is how we create good policy and good regulation. But you have to have a seat at the table. You have to be involved in this. Yeah, if I can just echo that, I think one of the things that has been incredibly exciting about this work is you're getting utilities, you know, talking to tr the trucking association, talking to the fleet operators, to the, the charging operators, installers, environmental groups, communities. And so you're starting to see everyone get in the same room. I think that that one piece is, that's kind of missing and it's, it's really hard to do. We're actually trying to identify fleets. And what's really uh, not easy, but much easier is identifying the big ones because you can call someone up and they might have a thousand vehicles and that becomes a lot easier. It's those smaller you know, fleets that might have five vehicles that might be an independent owner operator. The, the one that everyone has a story of, of like, oh, my uncle's a, a trucker actually. <laughs> Ever, like uh, that happens like thir uh, every third person you talk to. That's really hard for us to identify. And that's a voice that can be missed in this conversation. And so the more we can bring that in, I think the more effective this is going to be because we want to bring everyone along and make it easy for everyone and not just a few people in it. So I'd really encourage folks to to contribute there because we want to make sure we as the utility want to make sure we're planning for your needs. Yeah. And I would also encourage folks to, to find out who your utility is. <laughs> Think about where your truck spends time. Is it at a highway rest stop? Is it while it's loading at a warehouse? Think about, you know, where there could be an opportunity to charge that truck and, and, and reach out to your local utility and start having conversations with them. We have staff that can, you know, pick up your phone call and we'll do a fleet assessment for you and start thinking, you know, sort of constructively about how you can you move forward in a cost effective way. So how they do for, so for the fleets and terminals that are in national grid territory, um, you know, we focus on New York, but I know Massachusetts as well. How would they get in touch with your team to, to go through that assessment process? Yeah, so you can just right through our website. Um, you can go to, you know, our fleet assessment programs and you can be able to be put in touch with a customer rep who will reach back out to you um, and help you walk through that process. And, and just so you know, National Grid in New York serves sort of a lot of upstate New York, much of upstate New York, uh, Buffalo, Syracuse, Albany, any, any, anywhere in those greater areas is our service territory. And then in Massachusetts, a lot of Massachusetts outside of, out of Boston. Um, yeah, so you can you should you can and should reach out to us um, and we would love to have a conversation with there's a team of people that are sort of waiting for your phone call, frankly, <laughs> and a lot of communication to try to, to drum up uh, your interest in these programs and are prepared to, to help you. Outstanding. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you for all the work that you do. Um, we'll make sure we have a link to the report in the um, in the info in the. 
I don't even know what it's called. Show notes? Show notes? Yeah, there you go. There we go. There we go. Something. <laughs> um, but yes, please reach out to me, reach out to Kendra, reach out, reach out to Jeff, Brian, answer all your questions about this um, so that you're not caught off guard with anything. You know, that's what we're here for. And I would just ask everybody to please like, subscribe, and share this podcast. And thank you for listening to Key Up New York. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Thanks.